Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. And welcome on in, everybody. Little Fighter's Fury bonus podcast segment to start things off. We'll give you the regular episode uh, that aired this past Sunday, as we normally do, three segments. But um, we uh, we did tape something this past week. It was Easter. Uh, you know, one of the few weekends we'll actually not be live. And even if it was a monster fight, we probably, maybe then we would have done it live. But, you know, it was it was a Fox card, so... It was uh, it was decided upon the 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 triumvirate of myself, Seaman, Tommy Guns, that we'd take Sunday off live. But um, wanted to drop the podcast on here for you guys. But before we did go over what went down uh, this past weekend in Kansas City, UFC Fight Night in Kansas City featured Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson against William Hayes uh, for the flyweight title. And this was Mighty Mouse's. He was going for his tenth title defense in a row. And he was incredible. He was incredible. Uh, just a just a, a real, real beautiful display of talent, tactic, uh, really to perfection. You know everything that uh, that Rogan talks about all the time. That he's he's just uh, one of the most perfect fighters in the octagon. That's what we got. That's what we got this weekend. And he was amazing. And props to Mighty Mouse because he not only had a guy beat tactically. Um, but he even went for the finish. He got an arm bar. What is that? That's like the second time he's got one near the horn of a round. Although I believe the last time we had one of those, that was like he did it at like the end of the fight. What have been against Horaguchi, if I'm remembering right? Or maybe he knocked out Horaguchi. Let me see if I got this. Uh, Mighty Mouse, his uh, his arm bar, 559. Yeah, it was against uh, Horaguchi, UFC 186. Uh, at 4:59, uh, there'll never be a light a, a later submission in UFC history. But he was amazing, uh, beating William Hayes. He ties Anderson Silva's record. Now the questions are going to begin with with D, with DJ. Uh, you know, greatest of all time. Is he the greatest of all time? Uh, where do you put him there with Anderson Silva? And you know, there's a couple things that you got to look at. First of all, I think if you look at his talent in the octagon, you could certainly say he is one of the greatest of all time. Does his does his division hurt him in any way? Uh, for sure it does. For sure it does. The fact that, you know, this is a thing where they've had to have reality shows to actually find him contenders, where they're almost doing gimmicks to find him contenders. You can argue that those are things that are going to hurt him. However, it's nothing that other champions haven't been above. I mean, Dan Henderson getting a shot against Michael Bisbing for the middleweight title just because he's Dan Henderson and he's awesome. Um, you know, should have win against Hector Lombard, and we love Hector, but like where Hector was ranked and where where uh, where Henderson was ranked, should that dictate getting a title shot? Um, maybe, maybe not. GSP on merit, he's really just getting it on history, and and it's a it's a seat seller. So, how much should that take away from DJ? You know, it, it it's two different things. I mean, he's beaten. He's beaten some really, really good guys. Beaten John Moraga, John Dodson. These are really, these are very talented guys. Ian McCall, Uncle Creepy. I think that's a, uh, that's a, that's that's a very, very talented thing. So, it's uh, it, it really is just a, it, it's a case where I think he is getting more and more deserved credit. He is getting finishes. That's his sixth finish in this title run that he's been on. So the fact that he has all of those things going for him, he is becoming a finisher. Um, he is he is putting up everybody in front of him. There have been contenders they've wanted him to take on. Joseph Benavidez, um, Henry Cejudo, a gold medalist. You know, it's just hard. It's, it's, it's hard when you're, you're a crop above the rest. Now, he's got, he's got 
the record-breaking performance insight. He needs one more title defense, and he'll have the all-time record. There's a lot of talk every time DJ fights that he's got to move up to 135. He's got to get a super fight. Super fight is is what you need to do with Mighty Mouse. There's going to be a time for that. I don't think that's going away. He's not old. Mighty Mouse right now is a 30-year-old fighter in his prime. Let him get the record. I think I think for what this guy delivers in the octagon that he is uh he he's just tremendous. He's tremendous and you should let him get that record because you know, I know he says he, he was talking in the uh in the cage afterwards that he's up there with GSP and he's up there with George St. Pierre. And it's hard to know what it's going to take to get DJ recognized or get the fans behind him because that's that's a secret sauce, man. You don't know what that is that that's going to ultimately get the fans behind you. I think he's done a little bit more of that because he's almost had a bit of an angry streak uh, with him lately about the disrespect, about the the non-recognition. And I think that is awesome for him. I think that's awesome for him. Um, but as far as should he go up to 135, don't do that yet. Go get your record, DJ. Go get your record, man. And, you know, I know he was in there proclaiming, you know, I need my million-dollar payday for that to happen. I'm with the man. Don't do it unless it's for your price. Because, you know, who knows? You know how hard it is to defend already. And even if it wasn't for a title shot, I think that he should get the record and then move up. I think it makes him an even bigger deal. Just tying. Tying is cool. Owning the record is even better. So, from my standpoint, uh, awesome performance by DJ this past weekend. Does it make him the goat? Um, I think he's. I think he's certainly on his way. The good thing about DJ is, you know, as opposed to Anderson Silva, doesn't have the PED suspension in his past. And I think the other thing for DJ that I think should count, you got to wonder how much as the years go on, uh, can you say that? Mixed martial arts has gotten harder. The fighters are more well-rounded. You would think after spanning a reign that began in, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a reign that has began that began in 2012. So we're talking five years now for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. That's that's like a lifetime in mixed martial arts these days. You know, you go back and look who the champions were in 2012. I think you'd be shocked. Like none of them are standing aside from him. John Jones would be. Uh, if he could, you know, stop getting into trouble, but it's been an incredible reign. I personally think that because of John, John Jones, if we're just talking in the octagon, um, I think John will forever in fans. Mind, I think he's going to end up being the guy I thought of as the greatest of all time, but let's just say mighty mouse does end up beating a TJ Dillashaw or Cody Garbrandt for the 135 title. I, I certainly think that that would help solidify it if he were to do that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how many people are going to be ready to do that. Now, the thing that came out this past uh, this past week after the fight, uh, Dave Meltzer reported that Johnson versus Hayes drew the lowest overnight ratings in UFC on Fox history. So that's that that that's concerning. Like this is a guy. You don't know what it's going to take to get people to care about it. And I don't even think that's just Mighty Mouse. I think that the UFC is in a little bit of a lull right now as far as getting people hyped up for fights. Um, I'm, I'll be curious to see what the numbers are for um, Daniel Cormier versus Rumble Johnson. But they're in a bit of a lull right now, I think, of, of driving real, real buzz. They got an awesome card, pay-per-view card coming up in a few weeks with uh, UFC 211, the heavyweight title, and Jaychik, Jorge Masvidal versus Damian Maya. I think it's about as, good, about as good a card as you can put on without somebody named Conor McGregor on there. And I don't know what the final results of that will be. Remember, Stipe's last fight did well pay-per-view-wise, but he had a little bit of the boost from CM Punk. Um, you know, people just just can't get the masses behind watching a guy like Mighty Mouse, and I really feel like they're missing out. And that's not to take anything away from Mighty Mouse. I mean, there's plenty of boxers out there who are excellent. Uh, Triple G, you know, he's maybe one of the most exciting boxers out there right now. Guy can't sniff a pay-per-view by. Um, Sergey Kovalev versus Andre Ward. One of the best fights boxing can make. They're even doing it again 
did wasn't a great box office success. So I don't think that should uh, take anything away from him. But I think for a lot of people, it will. Um, as far as the other results, we have Michelle Waterson versus Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas looked like an absolute beast. A hell of a performance by her to beat Michelle Waterson like that. Really beat her in every facet of the game. And a lot of hype was behind Waterson. I saw some criticism that like Rose wasn't getting any hype at all. You know, Rose, I feel like Rose has been well, uh, well promoted in her career. She's certainly in that division. I think you'd look and you'd say it's in Jaychik. It's Paige Van Zant is probably the most famous in that one. That's not surprising. Um, but you know, Watterson really only came on this past, this past, you know, couple months after her win over Paige Van Zant. And, you know, when that was the Paige Van Zant versus Watterson show, you know, that was uh she was she was kind of the hot new topic. And you gotta remember that Rose is coming off a, de- a decision loss to uh to to double double K, Carolina Kowalski. It's I'm definitely not pronouncing that right. Um but you know, Rose, I think Rose had certainly when she had that win when she had her win over Paige Van Zant, it really boosted her. Um but you know, like I watched the countdown. It was really hard, man. The one thing about watching the women, I don't know if this makes me sound sexist or not. I have a hard time rooting against either one of them. I love I I just love how much more I don't know. They just seem more real with their emotions and countdown shows and whatnot. Um, and the tremendous respect they had for each other afterwards. I just love it. I, I loved, uh, I didn't want either one of them to lose that fight, but Rose put it on Michelle Watterson. She deserves it. Um, and I can't wait to see her fight either in Jay chick, um, or if it ends up being, uh, Andrage, if it ends up being Andrage. So, I, uh, I'm looking forward to that, but Waterson was great. Now, the other big fight that happened on this card was Jacare Souza against Robert Whitaker. Now, Robert Whitaker looked like the truth, man. He looks like the truth at middleweight. He was awesome. And I will toot my horn a little bit, Seema Tommy Guns, even though they had Thug Rose winning and I had Waterson, I had Robert Whitaker winning and they had uh, they had Jacare who just signed a new eight fight deal with the UFC, which is cool for him. Um, as he's, uh, he's hoping he was hoping to be in the mix for that middleweight title. Though Robert Whitaker came out and he put it on a man. He hurt him bad, even had Jacare on his back a little bit. And that's a dangerous spot to be in with, uh, with Souza, but he was able to shake him off and really, really hurt him bad. He really hurt him bad. I know there were some questions with the, with a stoppage, I thought it was fine. I thought I thought Jacare was in a bad spot, and he was just preventing the inevitable. Um, so, uh, a great performance by Robert Whitaker. Now, it does make things more complex with that middleweight division. You know, it seems like we got a guy in Michael Bisping who is living a bit of a charmed life right now. Doesn't really know what's going to happen with. His belt. He's been yapping a lot about fighting George St. Pierre and GSP not signing and all that that's going on with it. But Robert Whitaker is essentially, I would imagine, going to jump probably to three. Probably to three. Because Gegard already had his move up with beating Weidman. He's also a free agent. So you don't really know what's going to happen with Gegard as far as is he going to be back? Is he going to go test the open waters? Who knows? Wyman's on the downslide right now. And with that loss to to Robert Whitaker, Jocker is now he's now he's for sure on the back of the line for a little bit that he has to kind of eat it and sit back. So Robert Whitaker was calling for a title shot afterwards. I think he still he's he in my mind needs to get one more big win to really justify getting any kind of a title shot over Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero in my mind right now deserves it more than anybody. He is atop the rankings. He's done nothing to lose it. Uh and I think the only guy people would have argued argued would have been Jacare. But he beat Jacare. 
even if with all the stuff that happened with the supplements afterwards, his management cleared him, and it was a close fight. It was a very close fight. So you could argue, all right, he maybe if if Jacare would have win this fight, people he's fresher in people's mind. We want that to be the championship fight, guy with a little bit more lineage. There's really no argument against Yoel Romero being the next in line for that title shot. You want to do a fight, and I know he's not keen on fighting middleweights right now, but I think the fight is Robert Whitaker against Luke Rockhold. That's a barn burner. That's an awesome fight. And I think it would put Luke Rockhold right back in line to fight Bisping or GSP, whoever knows what's happening. But the big thing with that division right now is the waiting. We don't know who the hell is or when the hell GSP and Bisping are going to fight. And it seems like Bisping is getting tired of it, but you never know. I mean, Bisping yaps about anything. So it's hard It's hard to gauge what's legit, what's not, what's he really unhappy about. But Robert Whitaker was outstanding, man. He is for sure. I mean, he's 20, was he 26 years old, I think? 26, 20, 25, 26? That dude is, uh, that dude's in line for a long line of success coming up. In the middleweight division. The middleweight division is so sick. So sick. And I don't think it was... I don't know if we realized how sick it was uh, a little bit back, but there, it is in such a good spot right now, man. It really is. So that's your results. That was UFC on Fox. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this. We're going to roll on here. You'll hear the rest of the episode that aired on Easter Sunday. Thank you all for tuning in. We love you, and we'll talk to you next Sunday at 10 a.m. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. And good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on into another edition of Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Brendan Tobin here with you for the next hour as we go over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Happy Easter Sunday to everybody. Uh, a lot of crazy things happening. We'll get a little bit into uh, the fights from this week. Got fights to preview for next week. And, of course, there's always news and notes happening. I want to get into this. There's an interesting thing going on with Anthony Rumble Johnson and Daniel Cormier, of course, had their title fight last week. And if you missed any of our fight recap, you can go back, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, download the podcast. We have a full UFC 210 recap. But there was interesting fallout from this uh, that we didn't get too much into last week, and that was the weirdness of the weigh-ins that DC had going on. DC weighed initially at 206.2 pounds. He comes back at the weigh-ins, and he he comes back, and a couple minutes later, weighs in at the 205. But he's he's nude. He's he's got this towel in front of him, and supposedly he's he's pushing down on it. Now, a lot of people have come out. They've said this is a dirty tactic. Dan, uh, John Jones called it the dirtiest thing he's ever seen in sports. And the thing I found strange about it was Anthony Johnson seemed pretty cool about it. You know, there was video of them right afterwards. Um, you know, right after DC weighed in, Rumble was right there after, and he weighed in. So it kind of looked like Rumble was all cool with it. Didn't seem like he was against this or against anything bad happening. So the weird thing was, all right, everybody's freaking out about this, but the guy who's fighting for the title, he seems pretty cool about it now. There's then we have the news that came out this week. Everybody knows Rumble comes out, loses in the second round, he gets submitted. Um, had this weird strategy where he's going to try and out, out wrestle Daniel Cormier. Weird uh, reason there. Then he retires from mixed martial arts. Says uh, he's got this lucrative offer. Then we get the news this week that he has filed an appeal with the New York State Athletic Commission regarding Daniel Cormier and this this seems to be very um this seems to be very on the side of Rumble getting a piece of Daniel Cormier's purse which they haven't disclosed New York I guess doesn't disclose purses but his last fight I think he got 500 grand for UFC 200 you imagine it would be in that range so it's a good chunk of money that that Rumble's looking to get that he feels he's entitled to the the slice of the pie that a lot of opponents get when their opponent misses weight. The thing that's tough about it, though, is he did end up going to fight, and it was legally bound. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with Rumble that he he should be upset, but I think there was a time for him to be upset. I feel like the window of negotiation was already there. 
And what this feels like is them trying to almost get compensation for not winning. And I understand, you know, fighters want to get the most that they can. However, I feel like that window of being outraged about it because, listen, if they were going to do this anyway, then if they were going to make the fight happen, you should make as much a stink out of it as possible. And Rumble's been super, super uh, respectful of DC. There was no bad blood, no animosity. However, this was an easy sell. If you really were upset about this, if you wanted to take legal action all along, this should have been something that was brought up before the fight. So I find it a little strange that we're getting this note. So the other thing that came out this week was on Anthony Rumble Johnson's Instagram was a statement. And it's been since deleted, but here's what Rumble Johnson posted up there. He said, first and foremost, I never said it. I wanted DC stripped of the title. He beat me, and that's that. Second, I said everything would be handled after the fight because I was focused on the fight. Waynes was messed up, and at the end of the day, it was wrong. And if I lose fans because I'm fighting for what's right, then so be it. If it happened to me, it can happen to anybody. And the world made all this noise when it happened, but then when the appeal happened, all the world will cry about the appeal. Makes zero sense. Weigh-ins was messed up, and it wasn't the fight because he beat me. I'm not complaining about the loss. I'm complaining about the weigh-ins. DC shouldn't be stripped at all, but he has to answer for the weigh-in situation. If you hate me, hate. That's what you have to deal with. But if you love me, I'll love you back. And by the way, this definitely isn't about money. That's for damn sure. It's the principle of the situation for you knuckleheads who have no brain. It's a tough situation for sure. Um, So if that's the case, listen, if Rumble's done with MMA and he doesn't want the money out of it. Let's see. Let's see what the case is. See what they they are going against. I believe, you know, his management did put out there to ESPN that they were going after money. So it's a little bit of it. Um, but I, I find it interesting that he's doing this. That he just wants to make a point. Because I, I, honestly, I don't see the point. I guess it is is Rumble trying to make this uh, a thing where he doesn't want other people getting cheated. I guess it's an interesting it's an interesting thing though. I think they wanted the fight to happen because if you're Rumble Johnson and this this listen 205 has been the most messed up division. You know, everybody's talking about 185 and you know Jacare and and Romero and all Rockhold won't stop yapping about it. Bizbing's yelling at them. GSP's coming back. Somebody was going to get screwed at 185 or 170. That's just the case. GSP comes back. He fights for the title. And I don't really have a problem with him fighting for the title. And I know fighters should be upset about it because they're working long and hard and they're currently in the game. And I don't have any qualms about them being upset about it. But to say that Bisbing has messed up 185 because he's taken a fight against a legend, George St. Pierre, I just think it's a bit much, and I understand. I get the belly aching, but I don't think if they were champ, I don't think they would turn down the fight with GSP either for the most money. I don't think they would. I don't think Rockhold would turn it down. I don't think Jacare would turn it down, and I don't think Romero would turn it down. Everybody's everybody's so quick to glorify how uh, the integrity of the sport and the sanctity of the rankings. First of all, the rankings are crap, and second of all, oh. And, People only complain about the the rankings when they're not on top. You know, when they are, when when Cody Garbrandt gets a title shot against Dominic Cruz and he ends up winning, uh, and TJ Gillisaw is kind of left hanging the bag there for a little bit, and he has to fight a Sun Sal and he has to fight Lineker. Yeah, it stinks, but um, this is kind of the 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 unfortunate new world reality of the UFC. Nonetheless, getting back to it. 205 has been way more messed up than 185. It's not even close. I mean, 205 with the John Jones-Daniel Cormier dynamic, it's so messed up. Daniel Cormier is a really, really entertaining talker. He also happens to know how to win. He's getting a little bit of GSP uh, to him. In fact, that he's winning very boring. And GSP was a little bit more of he'd grind it out all the way to the decision. We've only really seen that with DC um, with, with the, with the Silva fight. I mean, the Gustin fight was a really close fight, but it was, it was, it wasn't the most boring fight. It was a good fight. Very close fight. 
Um, but he's not the most exciting. He's not the most exciting fighter. He seems to be embracing people hating him a little bit more, which I think is making for an interesting dynamic. Uh, but he's had injuries, and the John Jones factor in all this, you know, John being absent with suspension, legal trouble, drug trouble, it's kind of screwed it all up because it feels like you don't have a credible champion at 205. Now there's shenanigans around his way in. Um, so nobody nobody takes him seriously as champ, and now he's using shady tactics to make it to the cage. It's a, it's a bad look. Then you have John Jones. You know, people say he didn't look as great in the OSP fight. I thought he looked fine. He looked as expected for a guy taking time off. Um, but remember, he's taking on a completely different fighter on really short notice after Cormier pulled out. So we haven't had that, that conclusion to that storyline. John hasn't fought. And Rumble now just lost that title t- for the second time in two years. So... You're also running out of contenders. You're running really, really low on interesting people um, that the audience wants to see fight for that belt. It's a really messed up situation, 205. Uh, everybody who's at the top, it's kind of the same group of of four guys. It's been that same group of four guys. And not only that, two of those are kind of eliminated right now. Gustafson's in a weird place because... You know, let's say John Jones comes back and they don't headline him. I think it would be crazy, but let's just say they don't. Then what do you do? You, you, does Gustafson get to fight DC again? So DC's going to have two title defenses against the same people in John Jones' absence. Uh, one of them who already lost to John Jones, although it being a close fight, it's just a, it's just a messed up division, man. It's not it's not in a great place right now. Um, more so than any other division, one eighty five. The thing with 185 is 185 has a lot of guys who you want to see fight for the title. You know, the thing with 205 is they don't. You kind of just want to see John Jones and Daniel Cormier fight for the title, and then that's about it. You know, people have been wanting to see. The only other fight that uh, people have really wanted to see with John Jones would be John Jones versus Rumble, and now Rumble's retired. So that division is not lacking in controversy. Um, but I do feel like it's lacking in credibility. That's for sure. We'll take a break here on Fighters Fury. We'll be back right after these It's words. Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Brendan Tobin here with you. Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, interesting thing coming out in boxing this week. So we finally have Manny Pacquiao's next opponent. He's going to be fighting Jeff Horn in Brisbane, Australia. So Pacquiao's going to return to action. Uh, they finally squared away that fight after flirting with different types of uh, Amir Khans and whatnot for Manny Pacquiao to fight. I wonder how many more fights Manny Pacquiao does have. It'll be interesting. You know, one of my favorite boxers to watch. I always always was a big Pacquiao guy in, in the Floyd Mayweather rivalry. You know, I was always a Pacquiao guy. It's kind of like you're either a Pacquiao guy or you're a Mayweather guy. And I'm I'm an offensive guy. I like I love watching Pacquiao box. I love the the trilogies. I love the rivalry with Marquez. I loved it all. Uh, and with Floyd, it's 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 um, you know, the best of Floyd is sometimes just the drama around Floyd, and the stuff in the ring. It, it, it's masterful. It's great. Um, but. I don't think anybody should pretend and act like it's it's the most appealing watch in the world, especially as he's age. You know, the the the, the misnomer with Floyd is the the older he gets, the less action there is in these fights. From not only a standpoint of him throwing counter punches, I mean he's kind of just a a pot shot guy now. Like he makes you miss and he'll get in his spots. But uh, yeah, just if, just when you when that rivalry was going down, it was always a Pacquiao guy, and I still am. I still have a, a an affinity for Pacquiao, even though he went. A little crazy, uh, crazy on the Bible Belt stuff, and and really ever since had that religious revolution. I don't know if you could say Manny's been the same guy. Um, definitely not a guy who goes for their the jugular and fights. When he has a guy beat, he has uh, when he has a guy beat from a skill set standpoint, he doesn't go for um, the jugular. He doesn't go to finish the fight anymore. It's frustrated Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach has been really open and honest about it. But he's fighting this guy, Jeff Horn, who I'm not going to pretend like I've I've got a, a great deal of knowledge on his resume. I just was like, ah, all right, so he's fighting an Australian in Australia. Um, 
all right, I guess this is what's happening. But, you know, it's cool for him, 29 years old. You know, he's got a he's got a young, unbeaten record. He's 16-0-1, uh, but has never really fought out of his uh never fought out of his country before. So he's getting a chance to to get the rub from Manny Pacquiao. And we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with uh with Manny after this. But a lot of the things that has been um this battle with Manny was just the idea that, you know, he was going to be you know, he was one of boxing's real last great pay-per-view draws. Obviously, Mayweather is king, uh, but Manny was second. Manny was easily second. I mean, if you probably go over the last ten years, it's been it's been Manny, Oscar De La Hoya, and Floyd. Probably got to extend that to about twelve years. Uh, De La Hoya hasn't fought in a while, but those are but those are the guys. Those those have kind of been the three kings of boxing pay-per-view, and so. You know, now to see that Manny's going to be fighting in Australia for, um, you know, top rank wanted to put this fight together. He's not going to be doing a lot of fights in countries. Had a lot of tax problems. It's, it stinks. It, it does stink that this is kind of like the end to Manny Pacquiao, and it's going to be in mysterious spots. Who knows what they're going to put together? Because I was happy to see this 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 week. Keith Thurman, Keith one time Thurman, um, called out. Manny Pacquiao. He said, that's a, that's a fight I want. And I do think one of these young welterweights, the Danny Garcias, the Sean Porters, uh, the Keith Thurman's, man, they could really use a fight with one of these guys. You haven't gotten that young guy who's gotten to step in with one of these legends uh, really since Canelo fought Floyd. And Canelo's still been a monster star and is a monster star. And I imagine that's going to continue. But the fact that Keith Thurman calls, I like it. I like that, I like that idea of that fight. You know, he had a really close fight with uh, with Danny Garcia and did great numbers. A lot of people tuned in to watch that fight. So he is on he is on a good trajectory right now. Um, but I think that would do wonders if they could if they could make that fight happen. A Keith Thurman versus Manny Pacquiao. It's an interesting fight. Um, you know, he did just fight. Dan- I mean, Pacquiao's a little bit faster than Danny. He's gotten older. That's for sure. The other thing that's going to be interesting with Manny Pacquiao is, you know, we've seen him. The last time we saw Manny in the ring was last November. He took it on Jesse Vargas. I mean, he handled. He handled him. He handled Tim Bradley pretty easily after the uh, after the Mayweather fight. And so, you know, this is uh, this is going to be this is going to be interesting from the standpoint of. You know, get a look at him against a younger guy, another young guy in Jesse Vargas, uh, who we who we beat. Now he takes on another young guy in Jeff Horn, twenty nine years old. Um, but the thing about it is, like with Manny, I would I would still I still think there's such a name value to Pacquiao. You know, it was thrown out with this Floyd thing, and they were doing Floyd and Connor and the talks of. You know, could they make that fight happen? Could that be something that's in the cards? And then they mentioned, well, what if we did Conor McGregor versus Manny Pacquiao? And the thing is that Manny is down in people's eyes because he did have, uh, he 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 did get beat by Floyd. So, does he have that 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 same value as Floyd? Certainly not. Um, and I don't know if that McGregor would have ever been down. However, the thing that would have made it interesting is. You know Manny Pacquiao is not going to shy away from contact. No matter what, he's always been a guy who is willing to put his head down, put it uh, put it on the line so he can give four to your one. It's only bit him in the ass really once in his career where he got flatlined by Juan Manuel Marquez. That was a vicious knockout. Um... But even even since then, I don't think we could look at Manny Pacquiao and say he's really shied away from contact. I think that we could definitely say he's been a guy who doesn't go pedal to the metal the way he used to. Um, but but as far as a guy who looks tentative in the ring, I don't think that's the case. I think we I think he's had enough fights behind him. You know, the Marquez knockout was that was five years ago now. It's been a long time. It's crazy to think that these things go by that fast. But he's had in that time six fights, five and one. His one losses to Floyd. 
Uh, he's beaten Tim Bradley twice. Fought Chris Algieri, knocked him down six times. Uh, Brendan Rios kind of bodied up on him. That was a pretty easy fight for Manny. Um, but he's but he's uh, he's looked he's looked good, man. I mean, he's still got those tricks where he can hit you from different angles. He can get in and out. He can produce good action. He's a, he's an enjoyable fighter to watch. So. We also got news this week. Gennady Golovkin came out, and he said that he is going to be skipping any June fight. He was, uh, there was some talk that he was going to fight Billy Saunders. He's going to be fighting. Uh, he's going to skip his June fight in hopes to focus on a fight with Canelo Alvarez. And I guess that's smart by him. You know, the thing with Triple G, and I do wonder this, you get news that he's 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 not going to fight in June. That's fine. Whatever. Um, but I do wonder if there's any worry because this narrative is out there that he's getting older, slowing down. You're seeing some vulnerabilities. If him fighting right now is the best for him, I'm not saying, you know, triple G is scared. That's obviously stupid. I wouldn't say anything like that. Um, but I wonder if there's any consciousness of, we don't want him to look more vulnerable we don't want him to get into the ring where he can't finish another fight because i think the appeal of triple g is that he goes and wrecks fools that's his that's his mo he's a guy right now where you don't want to see triple g go the distance it's not it's not what makes him special it's not what it's not what uh it's just not his appeal you want you want triple g in there you want him going in there wrecking fools um, the other thing is he's coming off a fight where, you know, some people thought he beat Daniel Jacobs and if he goes and he has another fight where you can question whether or not he wins that fight with Canelo Alvarez becomes less and less appealing. You already have Oscar De La Hoya talking about, ah, I had to redo my offer because the pay-per-view numbers were so poor that. If he has another one of those, is that going to affect the play uh, the uh, the pay per view numbers even worse? So, while they say they're focusing on the fight with Canelo Alvarez, what what's Gennady Golovkin going to learn about Canelo Alvarez? I mean, we've been talking about this fight now for about a year and a half, maybe two years. What is Gennady Golovkin going to learn at thirty four years old that he doesn't already have in the piggy bank when he's going to get in there with a Canelo Alvarez? And the other thing that's that's interesting is, you know, Canelo's got this upcoming fight with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Uh, Cinco de Mayo weekend. And I'm bummed because a couple of things. I, we were supposed to go to that fight as uh, our show, Leroy and Beast and I. We were offered to go to see that. My best friend's getting married. So I got to figure out how uh, a way to watch that. This has happened to me twice. This is actually, weddings have affected boxing with me in three ways. I ditched my wife for the Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao fight. Because remember, that did not have a ton of notice, Pacquiao Mayweather. it For, for a fight of that magnitude, it didn't have great notice. I want to say those guys did it on two months notice. And... My wife was already invited to this wedding, and we were going to go. I ditched her. The other time was, recently, was uh, Floyd Mayweather against Andre Berto, and that was the fight right after the Manny Pacquiao, uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Mayweather, and did horrible at the box office. People were really rebelling against boxing pay-per-view for everything that Mayweather and Pacquiao failed to deliver on. So that happened. I ended up watching that uh, on my phone through other means, and you know, listen, I was in a hotel room. That was the way. That was the way to get it. Don't judge. Um, and then the next one's gonna be this. I was supposed to go to Vegas to watch Canelo versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. We were supposed to go as the midday show to go and check that out, do the whole radio row thing, and I was looking forward to it. Uh, but my best friend's getting married. And I'm, st- I'm, I'm going to be up there with him at his wedding. So couldn't go to it. Um, I got to figure out a way of how I'm going to uh, watch this thing. I think it's at a, it's at a Key West uh, type of deal. So 
I don't know where the access is going to be. The other thing, too, is it's hard finding places where you can get a boxing pay-per-view. Cinco de Mayo is a little bit different because people are out of the bars and they like throwing it up there. So I'm sure more places will do this. But I remember looking for the for the Triple G fight. Um, man, hell, I had to call like four or five different places um, to, to find it. I eventually ended up just ordering it because I just was like, ah. The place that ended up having it was uh, was an establishment I didn't care for very much, so I said, "Screw it! I'm just gonna I'm gonna fork over the dough for the pay per view." Um, but I'll tell you, man, they've been uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has been Instagramming his uh, his physique, getting ready for this fight. He looks incredible. I mean, he looks incredible, and so I do wonder, man, could you imagine if? Chavez Jr. does get himself into incredible shape, does rededicate himself to boxing. That'd be interesting. You know, that's always been the knock on him. It's not that he lacks talent. Not that he doesn't have uh, the genetics passed down to him. It's just, dude loves smoking weed, and the dude did not like dieting to make weight. So, if those things are handled, I wonder what his ceiling's going to be. He's going to come into this even still the bigger guy against Canelo Alvarez. So are we going to see if we have a dedicated Cesar Chavez Jr., will we get a, a much more compelling fight? Because when this was first announced, I was like, man, let's even see if if uh, JCC can make the uh, – let's just see if he can even make the weight. Um, but, he, man, he looks super good. He looks really, really good in this type of social media. I tell you, man, Instagram is the greatest for boxing fans. It really is. MMA is cool, but boxing, it's its made for boxing. Because boxing, it's like these 30-second drills people throw on, and it's just its awesome. Like, you get in a little window, anywhere from 20 to a minute, and it's just awesome. Love seeing the drills that guys throw up. And so it's just made for it, man. It's so cool. And to get the looks in the camps, like 24-7 was always awesome, and I always enjoyed it. But it kind of got cookie cutter. It kind of got to be the same thing. It was, it's slow motion, and they're up in the, one of them is up in the mountains. And if it was a Mayweather episode, he was going to be out spending money, and you'd close the door, and they'd be like, the only thing we can't see is Mayweather spar. And it's like, man, how many secrets can there be to Mayweather sparring? It's like he does the same thing every fight. What secrets are they hiding? It's like you can't go back on all the fights that Mayweather's had and see uh, and see what the formula is at this point. Nobody can figure it out. Like, that's going to help the opponent. Like, you don't think there's been tons of, tons of uh, data put out there by Floyd Mayweather in his career that people have been trying to break down. They still can't do it. But they always close the garage doors. But it does, like, it does kind of become the same thing at some point. The personalities have to make it. The other thing is, you know, if you have guys who don't speak, uh, if you don't have don't speak English, and if you are a non-Spanish speaker, um, you know, like, I don't know if you get the 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 sense of the passion, even with the subtitles. You always lose a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, plus, I'm super ADD watching television now. Like, I always have two screen setup, and yeah, I'm just like I'm like a child. I can't even stay hooked on subtitles to stay focused anymore. Nonetheless, my point is Instagram for boxing, though, it, it's so awesome seeing these guys train in these little snippets. It's First of all, I feel like it's a lot more real and raw. Like it just, I don't know. It just is a, it's a cool window in. And the other thing, too, is it's just you get to see real time as it's progressing. And 24-7 was cool. Like it still did that. You know, they were, they were like usually just a week behind, but this is instantaneous. Like it's, it's right there. Um, really, really cool. I recommend if any boxing fans are out there and you're not on social media, um, you know, maybe some of the older members of our audience and you have a smartphone, download Instagram, follow your favorite boxers. It's a really, really fun way, uh, to get a look into training camp. There's, some, there's some, uh, there's some great accounts out there. Go see who I follow on Instagram. There's a, I follow a bunch of them, a lot of, uh, aggregators of these, these, uh, these boxing camps. It's really, really cool.
Anyway, we'll take a break. We'll be back on Fighters Fury right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Happy Easter, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday, your ride around as you're heading to Easter brunch, getting your grub on, and uh, having yourself a fantastic weekend. Or anybody who's just uh, who's just uh, enjoying the day, whatever it may be. A uh, little bit of an announcement this week. We had Holly Holm. They announced that she is going to be fighting at UFC Fight Night in Singapore. Uh, that would take place UFC Fight Night 11. When the hell is that? That is June 17th. And she is going to be taking on reportedly Betch Coeja in the main event for that uh, for that fight. Uh, Betch just won her last fight. I think she beat Ra- did she beat Raquel Pennington? Was that does that sound about right? Betch Coeja, uh last fight she took on, and I remember it being a really really close fight. She beat Marianne Renault, and it was a super close fight. I actually yeah, and I remember that. Uh, I thought Renault actually got the edge on that one. Uh, she lost to Pennington. That was two fights ago. Betch, um, both of these women, they're common opponents. You had Raquel Pennington. Both of them actually lost to – well, I shouldn't say that. Holly beat Raquel Pennington, but it was a super close fight. Uh, and then Betch, of course, got knocked out by Ronda Rousey. Holly is now – Almost infamous for being the woman who knocked out Ronda Rousey. She stopped Ronda Rousey, uh, knocked her off her throne, and really uh, we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen the same Ronda since. She ended up losing to Amanda Nunes, and since then Holly Holm has lost three straight fights. I thought, though, in all honesty, I thought she got hosed in the Jermaine Durandamy fight, and. I'm sure Chris Cyborg, I'm sure that's going to be decided. I wonder when this fight, is this fight going to be at bantamweight, does the report say? It will. It will be at bantamweight. Because I got to tell you, I thought she, I thought uh, Holly Holm looked good at 145, and I thought she won that fight against Jermaine Duranamy. I didn't even think it was close. I thought it was 4-1 Holly. And not only did the judges in New York, who suck, uh, give Jermaine Duranamy the fight, um, but they also failed to take points away. I mean, the ref was awful. Holly really, really did get the screw job. So in my mind, Holly's lost two fights. And really, she's only looked terrible. I shouldn't even say terrible. The only one where she was really beaten soundly was the Shevchenko fight. Shevchenko, I thought, took care of business, beat her pretty good. The Misha fight was close. It wasn't the most impressive performance, but Holly hasn't been the most impressive fighter. Listen, the most impressive thing Holly has on her resume, and it's a damn good thing to have on your resume, she knocked out Ronda Rousey when Ronda Rousey was on top of the world. But before that, you know, the the Pennington fight and the Marion Renault fight, not the most exciting performances. Like, you've got to remember, there's a reason why she was the biggest underdog in the history of the UFC going into that fight with the UFC, with the, with Ronda Rousey, excuse me. It's not crazy. Like, she's not she's not this world beater. And, you know, for years her campus say, ah, yeah, but we've been playing for that the whole time. All right. Maybe Ronda was tailor-made for her. And Ronda was, Ronda ran in like a, like, a, like a crazy chihuahua going after Holly Holm. And Holly was patient and did work on her. But we haven't seen... This uh, th- that assassin Holly Holm, that person's only appeared in the in the octagon one time, one time. Other promotions, sure. Octagon, we've seen that person one time, and it's not to say that her style doesn't work. It's clearly effective. It 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 beat the the best woman's fighter of all time. Um, but. You know, she didn't really press the gas against Misha Tate, and it cost her. She ended up losing in the in the last 90 seconds of that fight when maybe if she would have poured it on a little bit more, she she would have defended Misha, the, the belt against Misha Tate, and, and who knows? Who knows? I think I think actually uh you could you could argue that you know Holly's got a good style to fight someone like Amanda Nunes. I think that she would, I think she'd hold up well against the champ, to be honest with you. Um, now, is beating Betchgoya going to get her back in the championship picture right away? 
I don't think it's going to take much just because they don't have a lot of names at 135. You know, Juliana Pena was kind of the popular name. She just lost. Um, you know, so if Holly fights her, do you do Holly versus Pena? Winner gets the belt. Maybe do something like that. You know, but Shevchenko, if Shevchenko ends up beating Amanda Nunes, who she had a lot of success against, well, Holly just lost to Shevchenko, so who knows? That's uh, that's tough. But if if Amanda ends up retaining her title, I could see a fight with Holly versus Amanda. Holly's still a star. Holly's a draw. People like watching her. You know, she's not. I'm not trying to say she's like a monster pay-per-view draw, but she but she does draw eyeballs. Her ratings have done well on networks. People care about watching Holly Holm fight. Um, you knock out Ronda Rousey. You're gonna have that little uh, that stardust on you for a while. People are going to remember you. So, this idea that uh, that Holly's completely out or she's completely rushed, yeah, she's in a tough spot, but she's not as in tough a spot as let's say a Chris Weidman. I think Chris Weidman's in a terrible spot. He's in a stacked division that's already being held up by George Sevier. Like I think George, I, I think Chris Weidman should think about going to 205. I really do because. I think that division up there is a bit of a trash can. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. And I, I think it's going to take a ton for Chris Wyman to earn a title shot again. And you saw that Anderson Silva was talking to that, that, that shade this week. Oh, his luck has ran out. I think Anderson should calm down a little bit. Dude, you did get knocked out, and you were, you were the one clowning. If you want to call it luck, fine. The leg injury, and Tommy is on this train as well, that, that Chris Wyman was a bit of a fluke. I get it. But he's a guy who also defended his belt twice afterwards. Not the best competition in the world, but he did do it. Um, but he's also in a much tougher spot than Holly, who's in a, a much thinner women's division at 135. I feel like she gets this win against Betch, who I think she should handle quite easily. And then, you know, you do a Juliana Pena or, or another top contender in the women's division. I think she can get right back in that title picture because I think I think that sells. The two women who beat Ronda Rousey finally square off. And I think she has success in that fight. I do. Um, Amanda's a killer, no doubt about that. Um, but Holly is a great technical striker. And if she could draw that fight deep into it, five rounds, let's see how Amanda handles that. However... Amanda's got her hands full. She got a she got a hell of a title title fight on her hand against Shevchenko coming up. So let's see if she even gets past that. That'll be an interesting one. We'll talk more when that fight uh, comes closer. But news of Holly Holm came out this week and uh, was interested in it. So everybody have a great Easter. Enjoy yourselves, and we will talk to you guys same time, same place next week right here on Fighters Fury. Love you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.